This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Phil's and the D-backs who are playing a game six right now. Phil's trying to punch their ticket to the fall classic for the second straight year. They trail Arizona, though, three to one in the fourth inning. Fans are kind of stunned right now because Philly has been the dominant team in their ballpark and probably the best home field advantage in these playoffs. They're 12-2 and two in the postseason at Citizens Bank Park uh, in the last two seasons. And if they could just get one of them here, they're going back to the World Series. So a little bit of baseball later on in the program, but it's an overreaction Monday, right? And that means football, at least during this time of year here. And you know what? The Giants did what they had to do. Nothing more, nothing less yesterday at MetLife Stadium, right? You're not going to get style points from it, but they stopped the bleeding. That's what I take out of yesterday's game for the Giants, right? It wasn't pretty, but it counts, and it stops the bleeding. It's a Band-Aid. Yesterday was a Band-Aid for the New York football Giants, and sometimes, you know what? A Band-Aid does the job. It does the trick. You don't need stitches sometimes. You don't even need that, like, gauze that you got to, like, wrap around the wound. Sometimes a Band-Aid will do the trick. Sometimes just one of those little ones for, like, a paper cut. You know, to make you feel better. And that's what yesterday's win was for the Giants because, you know, in the second half of that game, I got to be honest with you. And it was great being home yesterday, by the way. You know, having the the benefit of the Jet bye week, not having a game. It was great sitting home and watching all the football, even though, you know, there were a lot of teams on the bye and you maybe didn't have a huge slate to choose from. But it was fun. It was relaxing a little bit. It was nice that the direct TV people there that uh, man the Red Zone channel finally got the captions off the screen, which lasted for about the first half hour of play on uh, Sunday starting at 1 o'clock. But you know what? I guess it's still a work in progress, still working out the kinks. But nevertheless, you know, the second half of that game yesterday at MetLife Stadium, when the Giants just could not put Washington away, you're sitting there and you got to be thinking, even if you're the biggest, most devoted supporter of this football team, you had to be thinking at least for a second, you know what, the Giants are going to blow this. Giants are going to find a way to lose this football game because they weren't doing anything offensively. They were allowing Washington to hang around, and that's what bad teams do, right? They allow teams to hang around to where enough mistakes are made to where the other team, even if they're not good themselves, they're going to at least take advantage of it. Maybe even it's by accident, but they're going to do it. And the Giants kept that door open in the second half, but Washington, on the other hand, they could not take advantage of it because they're not a good football team. So the Giants win by a touchdown, but they should have won by more. You know the mistakes. You had the Gnomis field goal. You had Saquon fumbling inside the 10-yard line. You had Kayvon dropping that would-be pick six. All plays that if they're made, maybe we're having a little bit of a different conversation tonight about how things went down yesterday in East Rutherford. And Tyrod Taylor, you know what? Another good start for him. And he walked off the field a winner. He moved the team up and down the field. Now, he also had Saquon Barkley once again. And we'll get into the whole quarterback dilemma here a little bit later on in our program. But, you know, you you can't tune it out because that's just the natural reaction to this. The Giants were scuffling. Giants were really playing some tough football, tough in a bad way. Those last few weeks under Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones was getting killed, and that's what ultimately forced him out of the lineup because the offensive line wasn't, um, what's the best word I can use, protecting? Yeah, I think that's it. So that's why Tyrod's had to play the last two games. But he also got Saquon Barkley back, which helps the offense immeasurably, and certainly the quarterback in turn. 
And I think that the Giants still would have won that football game yesterday, even if Daniel Jones was under center instead of Tyrod Taylor. But I'm not going to sit here and go as far as to say that there is a quarterback controversy, or there should be any sort of a controversy between these two players. Daniel Jones is the quarterback when healthy. He should be the quarterback because the Giants made a heck of a financial commitment to him. He should be the guy. And I don't think that you could look at the Giants' record up until this point, which is, you know, 2-5, and 1-5 and five before yesterday's game, and say, oh, it's all because of Daniel Jones. A lot of missing pieces with this club this year. A lot of guys not playing up to the level you expect them to play. Best thing you say about Tyrod the last two weeks and the games that he started, you know what? He hasn't turned the football over. You like that. Two games, no turnovers. More often than not, that's going to give you a chance to win a football game. But on the other hand, everybody that wants to scream like hell that Tyrod should be the guy moving forward, still are only averaging, what, 11 points a game in the last two weeks with Tyrod Taylor under center? I mean, this is the NFL. 11 points a game is pretty pathetic. You know, it's not like he went out there and he morphed into the second coming of Kurt Warner. And it's the sequel to the greatest show on turf. That's not what we're seeing out of this Giants offense. And let's be frank. Washington's defense stinks. And it's almost a letdown that the Giants were only able to muster 14 points. Like, they left a lot of plays out on that field. They left a lot of points out on that field, as I said. So it's not like we're sitting here watching, you know, a, a, a burgeoning dynasty on our hands offensively. They struggled to put points on the board when they needed to up in Buffalo last week. And yesterday against the Washington team, they didn't score in the second half of the game. They didn't score a single point. That's got to count for something. I thought the offensive line was okay yesterday. You know, Brian Dayball referenced the communication was better with those guys in the front five. You know, you have some veterans part of that group now. You know, Pugh is there another week. Thought he did a nice job there at left tackle. You know, getting McKeithen back. Tyree Phillips is a guy who, you know, once upon a time was a part of this squad. Now he's back in the mix. He's getting reacquainted with the surroundings. The thing with an offensive line is you just need these guys to continue to play consistently to get those reps to be able to feed off of one another. And that's what the Giants had not been able to do the first five, six weeks of the season because how many different combinations did they start on any given Sunday? Because it was a revolving door when it came to just healthy bodies. Darren Waller had a good game yesterday. Jalen Hyatt again making a couple of big plays. I thought that the play that and, and the catch that Hyatt made down the sidelines where it didn't even look like he got that second foot in, that was a tremendous job. I thought that would give them a huge jump start because the Giants were just looking for something at that point. Something that would at least allow you to believe that, okay, maybe they are going to be able to put this Washington team away. Because it was pretty stale there for a while. So Hyatt makes the big catch, but they still cannot convert and get those points on the board. And Waller finally gets in the end zone thanks to Riverboat Ron, right, who decides to accept the holding penalty, which gave the Giants a third and goal at the 15. Instead of if he just declined it, it would have been a fourth and goal at the two-yard line. Who knows what the Giants would have done there? Given their inability to crack the, the, the plane over the last few games, who knows if they would have even scored? Remember, you're talking about three-plus games since this team last scored an offensive touchdown. But it was nice to see them finally get on the board. It was nice. Those fans, we talked about it last week, nice for those fans that pay all that money 
to go to MetLife Stadium to actually see the Giants score an offensive touchdown right with their own two eyes. How about that? I mean, everybody who had a ticket to that game yesterday, I mean, they're going to be able to tell their grandkids one day, I was there at MetLife Stadium when the Giants offense scored a touchdown. Yes, it happened. Really, really real. So we could spend all this time talking about the offense and the quarterback and the offensive line, but make no mistake about it. Giants won that game yesterday in the strength of their defense. Defense was outstanding. And that's a unit the last couple of weeks that's starting to get a little bit better. And that was one of the areas that was maybe the most surprising, I would think, the first month of the season. Why the Giants were going through those struggles. You know, shoddy tackling, missed assignments, right? But now you're starting to see that Wink Martindale unit play at a level that we saw them play for large trunks a season ago. Six sacks of Sam Howell. Maybe the most impressive thing, one of 15 on third down. That's pretty damn good. One out of 15, you're going to win a lot of games if you're not allowing the opposing offense to sustain drives and to do their thing. Dexter Lawrence was a beast. Kayvon had himself a good game. See, it's not like we're getting on Kayvon Thibodeau. It's more like, hey, man, we know you got the talent. This is all about the expectations. Go out there and fulfill them, and now you're starting to see it. And Bobby Okereke was all over the field. That's what the Giants gave him a lot of money to do. He's supposed to be a tackling machine. He's supposed to be sideline to sideline. You're starting to see that as well. Leonard Williams, huge play with the block field goal. All those things adding up, and you got yourself a victory. So I'm not going to sit here and get into, well, you know, did the Giants save their season? Is that going to be the kickstart to turn things around for the New York football Giants? No, I can't say that yet. Because you barely escaped a bad football team in the Washington Commanders. Real bad football team. I can't believe that team even has three wins. And they're probably going to be teetering in the other direction the remainder of this season down the second half. But they're looking at this game on Sunday against the Jets. It's probably a game that, you know what? It's winnable for you. Jets are probably thinking the same thing about the Giants, but the Giants should think that they could beat the Jets. Why not? And then you start to believe a little bit. Okay, if you beat the Jets, that's two in a row. Then you're going on the road to go play the crummy Raiders. God knows who the quarterback is going to be that day for Vegas. Did you see the product they put on the field yesterday? And losing to a guy from Shepherds University in Chicago? By the way, you want to talk about coaches? Somebody explain to me how Josh McDaniel still has a gig. Like, have people seen through the whole Josh McDaniels thing yet? and realize that when they look at Josh McDaniels, they don't see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady there anymore? You see a guy who is woefully under 500 as a head coach so far in his NFL career, and I don't know how many more opportunities he's going to have. They are a mess. So point being, you know what? Next two games on paper, probably winnable for the Giants. That gets you to four and five, and then who knows? I mean, think about the NFL, right? Look around the league right now. Who's good? Who's unbeatable? What's a team that when you step out on the field, you have no shot to beat? There aren't a lot of them. Everybody wanted to put the Lions in that category before yesterday, right? Lions were off to a 5-1 and one start, biting kneecaps, got a really good defense, golf playing at a high level. Everybody loves Dan Campbell. And what do they do? They go out there and they get boat raced in Baltimore. Like, that looked like the old Lions, that looked like the 0-17 Lions yesterday in Baltimore. All right, you're allowed one every so often, but my point is, is that on any given week, anybody could be beat. 
There's no dominant teams as long as the refs don't get in the way, which we know that they're prone to do, and we'll have more on that a little bit later on. But the Giants still have a lot of things to clean up. They get a little bit healthier going into this game on Sunday. It sounds like Andrew Thomas is supposed to be back. That's another big piece to the offensive line because you stick Thomas at left tackle, then Pugh could slide over to left guard, which is where he's more comfortable, and you never know. But let's see how this week plays itself out, right? Dayball's not going to say anything about Daniel Jones until Wednesday, and I guarantee you they'll probably drag this thing out to Friday just like they did last week. Where they say, yeah, he's getting better, he's getting better, but Daniel Jones still hasn't been cleared for contact yet. So he can't play football. But the Giants aren't going to do the Jets any favors into letting them know who's going to be quarterback on Sunday. They're going to make Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich and that defense prepare for both guys, because why wouldn't you? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's get these football calls up on this overreaction Monday. We'll sprinkle in the baseball a little bit later on. Remember, we're going until 7.30 tonight. Then we send you down to Houston for game number seven. Rangers, Astros, winner to the World Series, loser to the golf course. And the Diamondbacks just tack on an insurance run. It's now 4-1 Arizona in the fifth inning. The people in Philly are stunned. I tweeted it out earlier. Like, the fans don't even know what to do with themselves. They just thought that they were showing up to a party today because that's what the Phillies do. They win at home every single game. They don't know what to do with themselves. They weren't expecting this. Grasa Show. Overreaction Monday. We're coming right back. 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso show on this overreaction Monday, 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Speaking of basketball, we got some breaking news. How about this from our good buddy Woj, the great Woj. And anybody who had those visions of Giannis and Tenenkumpo coming to Broadway, well, not happening anytime soon. Even though you could kind of forgot about that when they acquired Damian Lillard because that was the guy, the piece that Milwaukee needed to go get to once again, reinvigorate Giannis and the franchise. Well, Giannis is now recommitted to Milwaukee. A three-year extension worth $186 million. So we do some quick math. That is $62 million a pop, which is a nice gig if you can go out there and find it. I promise you. It also it includes a player option for the 27-28 season. So he was already under contract for this year and next year. And he had a player option for 25 and 26. So I'm assuming that they just ripped that up. And now he's going to be getting paid just a ridiculous amount of money. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's arguably the best player in the NBA. But my goodness, good for Giannis, good for the Bucks. Nice to see these guys who began in one place, grew and developed in one place, led them to championship glory, all the accolades and everything that comes with it, and now he's going to be sticking around. So Giannis, the Bucks, one happy marriage. 800-919-3776. Football's the name of the game. By the way, before we get to the calls, real quick, thank you to everybody. And I know there were a lot of you guys who reached out on um, social over the weekend with birthday wishes. So thank you very, very much. It was a great, uh, great celebration, great day, great weekend and everything. So uh, now we're back to work. Now we're talking some football. Let us say hi to Chris and Beth Page. He's going to be first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? 
Hey, Dan, very good. Happy belated birthday. Sorry about that. Thank you, Christopher. Um, What's going on? Uh, anyhow, listen, you knocked it out of the park uh, with your opening comments. Uh, I've been listening all day uh, to just – you call us overreaction Monday? Yeah. yeah. My take on this – I'm a huge Giant fan. My take on this is what an overreaction to the game that Tyrod Taylor played yesterday. I, I mean and, – and I'm a fan. I get it. First of all, this is what he's done in two games. And I went to the game up in Buffalo the week before, by the way. I was up in the stands for that, okay? This is what he's done in two weeks, Tyrod Taylor, okay? He's, they've scored two touchdowns in one quarter. And the other seven quarters, he hasn't put, you know, no touchdowns in the other seven quarters. So he's managed to put two touchdowns on the board in, in eight quarters. You know, one quarter. And anyhow, everyone is treating it like, you know, it's, oh, my God, we have a controversy here. This is amazing. Um, and I'll say this. The last time Daniel Jones played with Saquon Barkley was they put up 31 points, 28 points in the second half against Arizona. That yeah, looks like it's going to be the yep. turning point. Now, you know, and I heard Michael Kay and other guys today, you know, I tried to get through. I couldn't get through. But they were like, you don't know what you have with Daniel Jones yet, and that's the problem. In other words, if, if you got to ask what we have, I'm going to tell you, we definitely know what we have with Daniel Jones, 100%. This is what you have with him. When Saquon Barkley is healthy and playing, Daniel Jones is a very good quarterback. And I'm telling you, I've seen a million – I watch Giant games twice sometimes. You know, I watch a lot of tape, and mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he's a different animal when Saquon Barkley's there. Other well, I mean, Chris, Chris – I heard – I'm sorry – you know, Chris, I mean, that's going to happen. And I thank you for the phone call. I just want to move on because I want to get as many people in as I can because we're short on time tonight. But, look, that to me would be the ultimate tragedy for the New York football Giants in 2023. If they miss out on the playoffs and have a losing season and they end the year still without an idea of what they have in Daniel Jones because that is an opportunity wasted. Remember back to the summertime how we threw out those scenarios on those dog days of summer where you're just trying to bridge the gap and get to September and the start of the football season. What was one of the things we said about the Giants? It's like, well, can they miss out on the playoffs? And if, as, if you're a fan, could you still qualify that as a successful, acceptable season? And I said, well, yeah, I think you can. You win seven games somewhere around there, but the quarterback plays really, really well. And that's two good years that he strung together. So at least you think you're trending in the right direction with an answer at the most important position in sports. Right now, Giants have a losing record, and you still don't know what the hell you have at the quarterback position. That's a problem. But you know what? You still got 10 more weeks to figure it out, but he's got to get on the field too. And this is now, I know, a slightly different variety, but it's a second neck injury in his young career. And that's problematic. Cullum in the Bronx up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Cullum, how we doing? What's going on, Dan? Shout out to the company. So I know we talked about it. You just mentioned it. I think Daniel Jones is going to be out a couple more weeks than, than what they are trying to maybe convey, just like, they, just like two years ago where he was out six weeks, missed the end of the season, and then had to get surgery, which they claimed that wasn't – they weren't related, but let's – it's what's obvious is it probably was but that game was probably you know it felt more aggravating watching that game than some of the losses it was just so just such an ugly game and you know right up to the last second almost kind of like some weird controversial situation to win the game with a with with the running of the clock on an injury but it was a win I'm going to take 
nothing away from them. The defense really is starting to look a lot better. And the whole controversy with Daniel Jones, like you said, like without Saquon Barkley, he's a different quarterback. But that's also an indictment on Daniel Jones. A little bit. Cullen, I'll I'll let you check out there. He's not good without him. So, yeah, I, look, you, know, you, you need that type of – look, quarterback any, any quarterback would. Call him any quarterback would at that point. Now, thank you for the phone call. I'll let you move on. It sounded like you were at the checkout counter there. Um, Saquon's going to make any offense better. It's going to make the Giant offense better. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that you should give him whatever the hell he wants and give him a blank check. That's not what this is all about. Still a running back, right? But for the current state of affairs, as the Giants are made up, they need this guy to help out their current cast of characters because the Giants don't have explosive playmakers on the outside, right? The Giants' offensive line, to a certain degree, is still pretty much a mash unit. They're trying to piece this thing together. It's like a puzzle. And you have question marks at the quarterback position, so you need Saquon. That's how this goes. Corey's in Edison. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Corey, how are you? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. What's up, Corey? So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we saw from the AFC East yesterday and how it pertains to my Jets. Um, I think we already knew it about Miami, but I think yesterday confirmed for me at least that um, Buffalo as well is a finesse football team. So, um, you know, looking at Miami and looking at uh, Buffalo and the two teams ahead of us in division and, and viewing them as, teams that can be physically, you know, um, pushed around a little bit. I think that just, you know, it, it, it opened my eyes to show that, you know, with our defense and how we can impose our will on the, on the line of scrimmage, that we definitely have a chance to play with these guys. And, you know, as the weather changes, as it gets colder, we could really start to, you know, potentially dominate these games against teams that really aren't built in the trenches like we are. Thanks for Corey, the I, I, I don't, Corey, I don't know, and I, and I thank you for the call. I, I don't know if I'm prepared to call Buffalo a finesse football team. I just think that something is off right now. Now, I will say this. That Matt Milano injury is big. It really and truly is. You know, Matt Milano has developed into a really, really good linebacker. I mean, he's an all-pro linebacker. Remember, he was the guy last year who killed Mike White up in Buffalo. But that injury that took place, and I don't know if it's really a lot of people have grasped onto it because it happened in the London game when they were there a couple of weeks ago, so it was early in the morning. Not too many people were locked into Bill's Jaguars on a Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, but he got hurt early in that game. He broke his leg. That's a big loss for the Buffalo Bills. Like that, He's almost, in a lot of ways, like the lifeblood of that defense, and now he's gone, right? Tredavious White, outstanding corner, gone. So they're missing some dudes. I don't want to say that they're finesse, but just something is off. And on offense, Josh Allen is doing too many Josh Allen things where he makes you scratch your head one minute and then he makes you go wow the next, but it's more scratching your head this year. And they sleepwalked through the first half of that game in Foxborough yesterday. They did. But this is a Buffalo team now that I think they're certainly beatable, as we've seen, but they're still also capable of going on the field and beating anybody on any given Sunday. Just like they boat raced Miami a couple of weeks ago. Seven weeks into the season. And, you know, we'll get into the Dolphins a little bit here, too, on the other side. Because, you know, they're starting to show their cracks. Dolphins have beaten up on the teams that maybe expecting to beat up to. But whenever they faced a good team this year, they've had it taken to them. Buffalo and Philadelphia. 
So the Dolphins aren't in that unbeatable category by any stretch of the imagination. Seven weeks into the season right now, like I said, this is apart from the AFC East or the NFC East. Who's good? Who's unbeatable? Right? Every team has been beaten this year. San Francisco, which I think is the best team still, they went into Cleveland last week and lost to P.J. Walker at quarterback. A lot is still going to be decided over the last 10 weeks of the season, which makes this, this thing fun. It makes this thing unpredictable. And certainly the Jets are in a little bit position, a little bit better of a position than the Giants are. But things can change in a hurry. You just don't want to bury yourself before Halloween in the NFL. All right, half hour still to play with. More of your calls at 800-919-3776. We'll go around the league here a little bit in the NFL. Plus touch on the baseball, too, before we send you out to Astros Rangers, game number seven. Dan Gross' show over Reaction Monday, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Astros, game number seven of the ALCS, winner to the World Series. And who will they play? Well, still think it's going to be Philadelphia, and I thought we would know that by the end of tonight. But not if Arizona's got something to say about it. The Snakes got themselves a 4-1 to lead going to the sixth inning. Still a lot of time, especially for the Phils in that ballpark, but Arizona might be forcing a game number seven coming up tomorrow. Uh, before we get back to the calls, remember, Jets had the bye week, so uh, they'll get back to work. Well, they were back to work today, as a matter of fact, and then they're going to begin preparations for the Giants on the practice field on Wednesday. They had a walkthrough today, and Robert Sala changing up the schedule a little bit to try to see if they'd have a little bit more success Coming out of the bye week, because remember last year, things didn't work out the way they wanted to. And, of course, the second half of the season, things kind of went south there for them. So trying to adapt a little bit here, seeing if it has any play with the on-field product. And I guess we won't get our answers to that for the next couple of weeks. But he didn't really offer up anything today when he met with the media as far as injuries are concerned. Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed still said they're in the protocol. He'll have more information on Wednesday. Nothing on Joe Tipman, who got injured in that Eagles game, remember, as well. So he's, you know, doesn't have to issue any sort of reports until Wednesday. The fact that they were on the bye, make the other team guess a little bit and don't give them any sort of, you know, easier road to game planning for this game coming up here on Sunday. We're actually going to be at the stadium on Sunday, as a matter of fact, Greg and I. We're going to be broadcasting, not from the coaches' club like we usually do because it's a road game, but we'll be in the broadcast booth uh, doing our thing. So we look forward to that. Weather's supposed to be nice. It's actually not supposed to rain in New York this weekend for a change, which is shocking. Real quick, a couple of things around the NFL here uh, before we get back to the phone calls. Hit on that Miami-Philadelphia game. One thing apart from football, let me just add, if I may. Saw it last night with Philadelphia. You saw it yesterday afternoon with the Giants. You've seen it on a couple of occasions already this year with the Jets. Can these teams just please go back to those uniforms they wore in the 1980s? I mean, how can you sit here and tell me that they are not so much better than what the current edition is? I mean, it's not even close. And if you really want to drool over what you're watching on TV, coming up this weekend, the Seattle Seahawks are going to wear their 80s uniforms this uh, this weekend, and the Tennessee Titans are going to wear the retro Houston Oilers for their game this weekend. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got to make it a point. Giants are going to wear those 81s one more time against the Packers this year. I think it's a Monday night game in December, so you have something to look forward to there, and I think the Jets are done wearing those uh, 80s vintage ones, at least for this season. But, hey, 
Miami goes up against the quality team. They get punched in the mouth. Philadelphia is good. Philadelphia wears you down. They may leave some plays on the field. They might make mistakes. Hertz is a gamer, even though he was out there playing with the banged-up knee. Philadelphia's a pain in the neck. You give them a lot of credit. I know a lot of people don't like him, but you know what? Like Robert Sala used to say, or, or says all the time, right? If you don't got any haters, then you're not popping, and, and that's the Eagles right now. Uh, we mentioned Buffalo and New England. Good job by the Patriots. You know, think about the Patriots. They got two wins this year. They're both against division teams, so if you're going to win games, you might as well win your division games, and that's a bad loss for the Buffalo Bills. Good job by the Patriots, too. Think about that. Buffalo took the lead late in this game, and Mac Jones and that offense, which couldn't do anything the previous I don't know how many weeks they take them all the way down the field and they win the football game good job by the Pats and that's a bad loss for the Buffalo Bills and guess what right now seven weeks into the season your guess is as good as mine who's winning the AFCs but the Jets got a shot even with Zach Wilson at quarterback Jets got a shot they play like they did against Philadelphia they can be AFC East champs when it's all said and done the officiating again and unfortunately, this is a conversation we're having way too frequently. The officiating again in this league continues to rear its ugly head and not for the better. It's borderline disgraceful what's happening in some of these games. And I don't know about you, but I'm just putting myself in the shoes of these officials. If that was me in game deciding situations, let's say under two minutes or thereabouts in a football game. And I know that my flag could ultimately lead to how a game is determined, this is just my own personal preference, I'm not throwing the flag. Because I don't want to go down as the guy who possibly cost the team a game or gave a team a game. Let the players go out there and decide it themselves. Unless it's absolutely blatant, like you can't look away, then you throw the flag. But these referees are just way too generous. That Cleveland-Indianapolis game, if you guys watched the end of that, and on CBS, that's what they were showing everybody after the Giant game ended, so you probably saw it if you stayed with it. That was catastrophic, how they were letting the laundry impact the end of that football game. It, it's, they, the league has to do something. They say every year that they look into it. And they say every year that they're going to you know, talk about it and they have these meetings during the offseason. It has become a joke. You shouldn't be watching a game and then have to sit there after a play is completed before you can even elicit any sort of a human natural reaction before waiting about 10 seconds to see if a flag is on the field. You have to look at that graphic on your TV to see if the yellow flag thing pops up. Or if you're at the game, you have to wait to look around and scan the field to see if there's any laundry on it. That should not happen when it comes to football. It shouldn't. What a mess. What an absolute mess. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Bobby and Belmore up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Bobby, how are you? Hi, Dan. I apologize, but I got to bring this up about, before I get to the Jets. Yeah. Did you see the interview with A. Rod with Reggie yesterday? No, I was not watching the. That was on the pregame, right? I didn't see that. I was watching the football. Well, I haven't heard a lot of this. I haven't heard any of this. Mm. He, A. Rod, asked him a great question about um, what's the difference between the Asheville organization and the Yankee organization. And Reggie left the Yankee organization for the Asheville organization. And he said, he said bluntly, and what everybody knows about, he said he wasn't being listened to. So this just shows the fact that this lifetime general manager doesn't even listen to Reggie Jackson. 
So, you know, that just shows the total control of the organization. So I don't I know we're talking about football. I'm going to get to football. Yeah. So I just wanted to let you know about that. But anyway, uh, also, you also mentioned McDaniel. OK, we had Belichick and Brady. I think you're a little off. I think you just had Brady. I mean, Belichick had the greatest offensive player of all time and the greatest offensive player of all time in LT and Brady. But what has he done without them? I mean, you know, so you could put him in the same category. as not as bad as McDaniel, obviously, because he, you know, he's close to 500. But, you know, I mean, a lot of it is it's based on the, on the players. And even Belichick said it, you know, it's on the, the players uh, win it and the coaches could lose it. So, you know, now let me get to the Jets. I'm looking at their schedule here. And, I mean, other than Buffalo and Miami, I mean, this, you know, and if they win those three games left with those two teams, they split with Miami and lose to Buffalo, which I think it could be Buffalo, the way Buffalo's been looking. But let's say they they will go one and two, you know, and they split. They could actually go 12 and five and run the table. I mean, there's no team out there that's, you know, I know they have the, the quarterback is, you know, it's hard for me to say this with the quarterback, but their schedule, I mean, the next three games are definitely winnable. The Chargers are looking awful. I don't know my coach still has a job with that great quarterback, Hubert. The Giants, and they have, and they have on the Raiders yep. before they go to Buffalo, Miami. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, it's crazy to sound, but, um, you know, their schedule, they got through the difficult part of their schedule, and now they have the end of, they could just split with Buffalo, Miami, and go 12 and 5. You know, they have, they have two Bobby, more I'll tell you this. Bobby, let me say this, and, I, and I'm going to let you go because I'm going to get some more people in here while we still have time. Don't be looking ahead down the schedule, seriously. Because anybody who is a Jet fan, anybody who is a Giant fan, I've already spoken to three today, three Jet fans today, all right? They are dreading this game coming up on Sunday because they've experienced this game a million times before in their lives as Jet fans. Jets are actually favored in this game, as they should be. But this would be the game where the Giants, with an offense that has not fired at all the last couple of weeks, that's averaged 11.5 points a game the last two weeks against what's supposed to be one of the better defenses in the NFL and the Jets, this will be the game where the Giants go out there and put up 35 points on offense. Watch. So that's what scares the Jet fan. Don't worry about the Chargers. Don't worry about the Raiders. Worry about this game this week. There are no easy games in the National Football League. Yesterday should have taught you that. Just look up in Foxborough, starting there. Let's say hi to Iron Staten Island. He would probably agree with me. He's seen it, right, I? You know, Dan, you scared me. You know why? When you were just talking about this will be the week that the Giants put up, and you said 35, that's the number I had in my head. That's really that's <laughs> a really bad omen. It's not good. And I, I, I dread this Sunday's game. I, I, you have no idea. And I, I tell you, with all the Daniel Jones and uh, and uh, what's it called? Um, Tyron coming Taylor. off the bye week, too, Ira, right? You know, coming off the bye, you never know what you're going to expect. Nope. And it's not being negative. It's just when you've lived it for 50 years, it, yeah. it, it, it's it's expected. But, you know, and, and Tyrod Taylor, with the history uh, against the Jets, even when he got hurt in Cleveland, it opened the door for Baker Mayfield and we lost. You know, he beat us in 2015 when we went up there with the playoffs on the line. He came into MetLife when Rex was coaching. He beat us in the rain as a Bills quarterback. Tyrod Taylor and, and the Jets is a bad match, and I'm hoping they make the switch to Jones, but they won't. But listen, you know. Tyrod Taylor it, was it, the quarterback it, for the Bills in that season finale in 2015 in Buffalo. That's right. Yeah, and, and he and he, he picked apart Revis, and then Bowles left Revis on Sammy Watkins for four quarters, which one-on-one, which was insane. But, you know, listen, uh, the Jets, 
are the better team. They should win this game. But like you just said, all you have to do is look at the slate of games yesterday. And look look what happened with the Lions. You don't know from week to week. Just take care of your own business. Be well prepared. Don't make mistakes. And like you said, with the officiating, you sit at the games. I'm like I'm looking on to 16W to see if there's any flags out there before the before the play ends. It, it, it's crazy how you're officiating these games. It's it's Ira. It's so bad. And I thank you for the phone call. And unfortunately, look. Some of the same teams are the ones who are getting the benefit of the doubt, and it's the ones who usually have a track record of winning, and that's the unfortunate part about it. And I'm not sitting here trying to start up any sort of conspiracies, but it's just it's frustrating. You know, I mean, the Jets alone, that game against Kansas City, there have been other national TV games with Kansas City, and there you see all these great memes on, you know, the, one of the best ones that is floating around the Internet that I saw, which, like, made me laugh out loud. You know how the players exchange jerseys with one another, their buddies after the games now, and they, you know take them off and sign them, and they pose for pictures holding up the other guy's jersey. There's a great one going around of Patrick Mahomes and one of the referees exchanging jerseys. And Mahomes is, exch- you know, holding up the referee zebra, you know, uh, T-shirt or whatever. Because uh, That's what it seems like at times. It really does. By the way, this is the 30th anniversary. 30 years. I can't believe it's 30 years ago. I remember it like it was freaking five minutes. Jet-Giant game on Halloween 1993 in the rain. At the old stadium. It was a giant home game. Jets went in there. They needed it the worst way. They were 2-4. and four. They had had a couple of bad losses, blown leads. They went in there with Boomer and Ronnie Lott and that whole team, and they won a 10-6 to six game over the Giants. That was Reeves' first year. Giants were a good team that year. Made the playoffs, member. Beat the uh, Vikings in the playoffs. But the Jets won that game. Kind of saved their season a little bit. Got it back on track before they ultimately fell flat again late in the year, which is generally what happened. But... Yeah, last second heave from Sims into the end zone. Ronnie Lott got a hand on it to break it up, and the Jets won a 10-6 game. So, yeah, almost 30 years to the day, they'll be renewing acquaintances coming up on Sunday at MetLife. We'll close it out with you on the phones. A couple of baseball thoughts as well. Grassa, overreaction Monday on 98.7 ESPN. It was a Monday night miracle where the Jets put up 30 points in the fourth quarter to stun the Miami Dolphins trailing, what, 30-7? to I was at the game. I was in my seat. I never left. A lot of people went to the parking lot. A lot of people went home. I stayed the entire time. Don't know if I went to sleep that night. I do remember having like a first period college class the next day, and I made it to that because you were almost like on cloud nine. You can't believe what you just saw. What an absolutely unbelievable turn of events that whole uh, evening was there. And Dolphins made the playoffs that year. The Jets didn't, ironically enough, uh, when it was all said and done in 2000. Um Baseball game tonight. So, Rangers going to Houston last night. They even it up at three apiece. The road team has won every game in this series so far. They're 6-0. and So, if you just want to buy into that trend, Rangers are going to win tonight in Houston and go to the World Series. But the Astros are the champs. The Astros are home. The Astros have been horrible at home, by the way, not just in the playoffs, but also the regular season. They had a losing record at home during the season. And it was almost, I thought, well, maybe it was better off for the Astros not to win the division because then they wouldn't have home field advantage because they played that much better on the road. But Max Scherzer's pitching tonight for the Rangers. Remember, this is only his second start in the last five weeks because he was dealing with the shoulder stuff. But now he's pitching, and in his last start that he made in this series, he was terrible, as you would expect. 
Do you really have faith in Max Scherzer? Here's the thing. Bochy is not going to give him a long leash tonight. First sign of trouble, Scherzer's out of the game. He's got guys like John Gray, like Dane Dunning, that are going to be able to pitch. Those are starters that are stretched out. They're not going to let Scherzer set this game on fire. So I don't know if Scherzer is going to necessarily wreck it too much for the Rangers because he's not going to have the opportunity to do so. Throwing a guy like Jordan Montgomery, I think he could pitch on short rest tonight. This is your season. World Series, if you win, it doesn't start until Friday. You've got plenty of time to rest the arm. Monty might be able to give you a couple of innings tonight if need be. So I've been going back and forth with this thing all day. I picked the Astros at the beginning of the series. The home team just can't win. They can't. By the way, Bochi has won 11 of his last 12 elimination games. Dusty has never won a game seven before in his managerial career. All signs are pointing to the Rangers if you just want to follow the trends. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Let's say hi to Danny in Long Island up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Dan, how are you? Oh, I'm feeling great. Nice crisp bag, great cup of coffee this morning. The, the world is great on Victory Monday, thanks to my Pittsburgh Steelers. But it's funny, I'm sitting here listening to the, ref, the people complaining about the refs all day, and I'm like the canary that ate the bird, because what happened at the end of that game was a disgrace. Oh. Uh, everybody's talking about the ball being marked. and The, 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 the yellow the line is not official, Danny. Remember that. I understand that, but before that, they called the pass interference penalty on the Rams that would have given the Steelers the first down at the end of the game. The call was brutal. And then Deontay Johnson merely puts his his index finger up to the to the cornerback who was screaming Taunting. like in a shushing, and they threw him a 15 yard penalty, so they offset. So neither penalty was warranted when you look at it and you looked at the review. And then, they, but they bailed out the whole situation and they turned around on the next play, and the refs blew it again. And my Steelers were the beneficiary of of a horrendous spot. But yeah, I understand you're right. That line is not official, and when you get in there tight, sometimes how do you really know? It's tight. you ever see you very rarely see. Uh, things uh, change on those kind of piles. You don't really know what's hitting what when. A couple of things. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, now people are actually making phone calls. Does any? And I listened all day because I work 16 hours on Monday. Nobody in the course of the past 16 hours said, look at the teams that Daniel Jones played against. San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle, Miami. He played against teams that we would be seeing playing deep into January, if not the Super Bowl. Daniel Jones couldn't score a touchdown against Buffalo and scored two against the Red, I'm sorry, the Washington Commanders. So can we even factor that into the – and it was home. Can we either factor that in a little bit when we decide whether we're going to give him the starting nod? Because, I, I, he, listen, he could be my backup quarterback any day. He's a proven backup. But you can't take away the job from Jones yet. I mean, you, you have to look at who they were playing, help it align. The guy's got the running back back in there. So everything goes. As far as – and as far as people talking about playoffs, in the words of the immortal Jim Mora, playoffs? Yeah. We're two and five. Can we get to 500 first before we broach that subject? My God. People was, are crazy. Dan, it was a Band-Aid, nothing more, nothing less. And thanks for the phone call. You're absolutely right. If I'm a Giant fan, you know, and even if it means losses, I want finality at the end of the year. I want an answer. Is this guy the answer or not at the most important position? Because guess what? If he plays and you don't win games, you're going to be in a position to where you can then go out there and draft your next quarterback, which you know is going to happen. But Jones has got to play. Now, I'm not just going to throw him out there if he's compromised because the neck thing is no joke. But you hope that he gets cleared and he could go out there and play because Tyrod Taylor playing these games is not going to tell you anything as a Giant fan. He is not your future. By the way, 2-0 in the picks this week. 
I had Pittsburgh plus three, and I had Seattle minus eight. I got the Niners tonight, by the way, minus seven. Let's see if we can go for the clean sweep at 3-0. and That's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks to Julian and Chantel. Remember, full show tomorrow at 6.30 right after TMKS. Gras is saying enjoy the baseball. 98.7 ESPN. Hey, if you're